have Bran Newland, founder of Goldfinch, a surgery program management that helps patients, healthcare administrators, and employers get better outcomes and lower costs from high-cost surgery events. Surgeries bring a lot of anxiety for patients and their families. My mother is about to have knee surgery, and we in our family are all worried, discussing where she should go, what, how should we do it, should she get a second opinion, and many, many other questions. More than this kind of anxiety, surgeries account for a lot of the healthcare costs, and there is tremendous variance in costs if you go to one place of care versus another place. Brian Newland has a unique story of why he used his extensive experience in pharmacology and pain management to turn that into a great surgery management program. Today on our podcast, you will learn the impact of Gatorade, yes, Gatorade, the drink, on surgery plans. What are the elements of a surgery management program? The return on investment of these programs. And if you stay through till the end of this podcast, you will get insights into how you can get half the value without having to invest in a specialized surgery program. This program is brought to you by the Healthcare Administrators Association, HCAA. For over 40 years, HCAA has supported third-party administrators and the self-insured employer industry through educational opportunities from leading industry experts. For information on joining HCAA, please visit our website, hcaa.org. I'm your host, Ramesh Kumar, and I'm on a mission to bring value to the healthcare industry through improved transparency. And my goal from this podcast is to give you one aha moment that you can implement in your business, whether you're a TPA, broker, or an employer. In my day job, I run a company called Zaki Point Health that helps self-insured employers and their employees provide them price transparency, direction, and value by delivering a digital front door member experience that proactively steers the members. Please like or share this podcast on your favorite podcasting tool so we can bring together a community of like-minded professionals. We are pleased to have as our podcast sponsor, Ikagai Growth Partners, a valued sponsor of multiple HCA activities. Ikagai is a growth consulting firm that works with two sister venture funds to find and support the growth of innovative new companies in the areas of healthcare technology and tech-enabled services. If you're part of the self-insurance industry and are looking to innovate, you might benefit from a relationship with Ikegai. Let's move to a conversation with Brand. Brand, I'm really excited about our discussion today. Thank you for taking the time. If you could tell our audience why they should listen to you when it comes to cost containment, and particularly when we are talking about these surgeries and high-ticket items. Ramesh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the time today and the opportunity to share the story of Goldfinch Health and what we're trying to do to improve surgery and recovery for patients and companies who are supporting so much of the costs around surgery. And the costs aren't just about medical costs. They're about productivity and return to work and exposure to opioids for the patients who go through surgery and for the families and communities around them. But what caused me to get into this and what makes me worth listening to? It's a great question. I'm a pharmacist by training, a doctor of pharmacy degree from the University of Iowa with a pain management certification. I decided when I 
when I graduated, I wasn't going to go into the practice of pharmacy, but instead I was going to go after this very frustrating issue in our healthcare system, which is that when new practices become clinically validated, they are not immediately and ubiquitously adopted by our healthcare providers, right? We see this time and again. It's very frustrating to know that there are best practices out there that sometimes go decades without being adopted, and sometimes they never get adopted. I spent the first part of my career working in a pharmacy-related innovative service called medication therapy management that was this kind of an evidence-based practice that all of us would want for ourselves around our medications if we knew about it. Most people didn't know about it. And so you were subject to maybe you'd walk into the right pharmacy where they did it. Maybe you wouldn't, and you'd be none the wiser. About six years ago, my co-founder, John Greedman, and I really started getting our arms around this same kind of thing that was happening in surgery. In surgery, you talk about a high-impact time in your life and a stressful time in your life. Surgery and recovery is it, right? That's You think about going into surgery, that's one of the most stressful days of your life. And it turns out there's a much better way through that experience than what most people find. The same kind of thing, clinically validated, widely supported in the data, just not widely implemented in our country, but it should be, it needs to be. And we set out to try to change that. If you could also just expand, how does your program actually work? And, and yeah. how does the patient and how does the employer really benefit from this? Yeah, so it's a great place to take this next. So there's really three aspects to this. And I know there was an episode not long ago on this very podcast talking about nurse navigation and clinical advocacy, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And this is really kind of, I view it as a next chapter of that conversation, because that is a key aspect, a cornerstone of the Goldfinch program. But there are three aspects to this. There's a technical aspect to it I'll talk about. There's a touch aspect to it, which is the nurse navigation, the personal touch of having an expert there, even though it's virtual. And then there's a toolkit aspect. I'll talk about that, some tangible goods. So technical aspect, let's start there. The technical aspect of this and that practice that's clinically supported out there in our healthcare system, but not widely implemented, is called Enhanced Recovery After Surgery, or ERAS. You can Google this. It's widely supported in the data. There's over 7,000 journal articles peer-reviewed that show this is the kind of experience that leads to better satisfaction for patients, better satisfaction for providers, lower healthcare costs, higher quality, all the things that we'd want, just not done as widely as we'd want. And just to give you an example of this, these apply across the board to all types of surgery. But to give you an example of what this looks like, there's a very common instruction going into surgery. If you've been through surgery, you may have heard this yourself. Don't eat or drink anything after midnight the night before your procedure at some point that night before your procedure, an expectation that you are totally fasted on an empty tank when you come in for surgery. When you think about that, that doesn't really make any sense at all. If you were going to run a marathon tomorrow, you wouldn't go in on an empty tank. That's a stressful day for your body, both physically and psychologically, much like surgery. The concern around surgery is called aspiration. That's ending up with something in your lungs because you're under anesthesia. And so that's long been the reason why Patients have been told not to eat or drink anything. Well, it turns out if you drink a clear drink, even if it's got sugar in it, so a clear carbohydrate drink like a Gatorade, two hours before your surgery, it doesn't increase your risk of that complication, aspiration, but it does give you many benefits. You get the hydration, you get the calories, you get electrolytes, all of which are very helpful to you when you're going through the stress of surgery. So much so that since 1999, the American Society of Anesthesia, the top governing body in anesthesia, has recommended a Gatorade or another clear carbohydrate drink up to two hours before your surgery. Yet, I would gamble that most patients who went into a surgical procedure this morning in America did not have that instruction. 
that's one of the reasons why we launched. This isn't a slightly better experience. There was a study out of Harvard a couple of years ago that looked at hip and knee replacement patients, some of the most common procedures in our country. The patients who had a clear carbohydrate drink, literally a Gatorade-like drink, before their surgery spent one less night in the hospital. And so you spent a dollar on a Gatorade and saved all of the costs of that overnight hospital stay and everything that comes with it in terms of hospital run infections and other costs of that stay in the hospital just by drinking that one drink. So that's one memorable aspect of these enhanced recovery protocols. They often have 15, 20, sometimes even more elements to them. Another is getting ahead of the pain and staying ahead of the pain using non-opioid, non-addictive pain meds. What if you took your pain management regimen beginning prior to your surgery rather than waiting until you have a five alarm fire afterwards and hitting it with literally the only option you have, which is oxycodone or hydrocodone or morphine or another opioid. So those are a couple of the key elements. That's the technical aspect of this. So those are the protocols. The touch aspect of it is where this the rubber meets the road with a nurse navigator acting as an advocate and an educator and a supporter for a patient who's headed towards surgery. And so I think we'll talk about this later, but usually we get engaged. We find a patient who's having surgery because either they call us, they know they've got this coverage, they call us, or much more frequently, we call them because we see their name show up on a pre-certification report. They're headed towards surgery. Here's an opportunity to engage with somebody who's headed towards a hysterectomy or a hip replacement or a cancer procedure. We don't have to have them change their provider. We don't have to have them reschedule or go for a second opinion or do any of that type of those steps that could end up being disruptive. But what we can do is be an educator and a supporter and an advocate to help them get prepared for and feel confident in their care plan and even call their doctor with their permission and ask for some changes in the protocol in the direction of enhanced recovery protocols, things like the Gatorade or the multimodal pain management beginning prior to surgery or some of the other aspects of this. That's the touch aspect. And that carries, of course, into the post-surgery period where there are a lot of questions about is this normal, what I'm experiencing? When will I be back to normal? And all of that weighs on you as a, an individual who's recovering from surgery. There's a lot of questions about pain management and staying ahead of that and minimizing your exposure to opioids and getting rid of those opioids when you're done with your recovery. So that's really the touch aspect. The final piece of this is we learned over time that there's some tangible goods that are actually very helpful to you as you're a patient headed towards surgery. And so we introduced what we call the Prepared for Surgery Toolkit, which is literally a lunchbox that contains some very helpful items. So we send that to the patient as they're preparing for the surgery, arrives at their home the week of their surgery. It includes the pre-surgery drink. Uh, that It's a supercharged version of Gatorade, basically. Uh, and so it's not drink your Gatorade, it's drink your medicine. Gatorade's stock price is going to go up as you love <laughs> with your program then. Yeah, exactly. Right? Everybody knows what Gatorade is. You have experience, but we have something in that toolkit called CF Pre-Op. It's a version of Gatorade, you could call it. So that's in the toolkit. We include some ice packs. We include an opioid disposal, deactivation disposal kit to help with getting rid of opioids. The key part of what we do is fewer opioids prescribed because you won't need them with this more proactive approach. Use even fewer and then get the leftovers out of your house as soon as possible because that's been a big part of our opioid crisis. So that's the toolkit. So overall, this is how we go about delivering the program. It's the technical aspect of enhanced recovery. It's the touch aspect of a expert nurse navigator with you every step along the way and a couple of weeks before your surgery and a few weeks after your surgery in the toolkit, which includes some of these tangible items that are really valuable. Brand, this is really great. And I'm going to come to the impact questions of this. On that podcast related with the nurse navigator podcast that we did, we also learned that data is very, very important to deliver that patient care, deliver that kind of you know, support. 
how are you leveraging data? What is the key kind of triggers that you are looking for to help these patients? The question that I'm sure everyone in the audience has, we had as we launched the program is how do you find the right patient at the right time to make the right impact for them, to make a big impact? It's clear in the data, the recipe exists for a better experience in surgery and recovery if you can get it in place for an individual as they are heading towards surgery. After surgery, probably too late. Not having surgery, obviously, we don't have much we can do at this point. But if we can find somebody who's 10 days out, 14 days out, maybe even three days out from their surgery, we can make a difference for them, utilizing what I just talked about in terms of the touch aspect to this, the technical aspect of enhanced recovery and the toolkit. So where we tend to engage most frequently is when we find a pre-certification notice. Here's an individual who's headed towards a surgery. Inpatient, outpatient, any surgery that's planned and is going to cause the individual to miss some time away from their life and time away from work, that's a surgery that we want to engage with. And so we'll call them. The nurse navigator who's a member of our team, who's an expert in surgery and recovery and all the various clinical considerations around that is the person who calls and explains our program. doesn't cost that individual anything to engage with us. Don't have to change your doctor. It's really a nurse helping to coach you through a better experience in surgery. And what we found when we do that, when we use that little data trigger, we don't change the process at all of pre-cert, at least not yet, but we just use the pre-cert as a trigger for a nurse navigator to get on the phone and make a phone call to an individual headed towards surgery. And when we do that, we get about a 70% opt-in. So a 3% incidence of surgery in a population, just to kind of outlay this, 3% per year have surgery, the kinds of surgeries we're talking about. And so of the 3%, when we call them about a 70% opt-in of people who would like our support. And I think that has everything to do with the fact that surgery is scary. It's anxiety-inducing no matter who you are or what surgery you're having. There's some concern about what that's going to look like, what you're going to experience afterwards in terms of your recovery, how are you going to manage your pain, maybe even what's your exposure to opioids. A lot of people have concerns around that. And having somebody there who you can call at any time, and by the way, they're going to call you. You don't have to track them down. They're going to check in with you. And that's a big relief to folks. 70% is fantastic. Obviously, the key is to be able to identify that member beforehand through the pre-certification or other kind of triggers. So what kind of impact are you seeing from your program, whether that's in terms of quicker return to work to other cost drivers? Maybe if you could spell out the different ways you deliver impact. Well, we knew from the industry data around enhanced recovery after surgery protocols, again, widely studied over 25 years. This is shorter length of stay, fewer complications, less opioid use, all of the things that are positive, not only for the patient who's experiencing the care, but for the plan who's paying for it. What we thought was missing and really was the missing element in terms of why enhanced recovery after surgery has not been as widely adopted as any of us would hope, is it wasn't being fully realized in terms of the productivity, return to work, return to life benefit. And so while there are many benefits to this, as we launched the Goldfinch program in 2018, we knew we needed to choose one to focus on, at least to begin with. And what we chose was save days of recovery time and return to work. And so we used the MD guidelines, 17 million plus claims database that gives us a benchmark for how long to expect someone to be out of work for a given surgery. And so that's the benchmark we're comparing against. Then we track how long the individual we're supporting is out of work. So you look at a hip replacement, for example, 
How long were they out of work for this hip replacement? And let's just make up an example here. Maybe we have an individual who was out of work for four weeks and the benchmark is seven weeks for a hip replacement. Well, there we save three weeks. And so we convert that to save days, save days of recovery time. We convert that to a dollar value. That's not to say that that's the only value that's out there in terms of what you get from having enhanced recovery protocols that are implemented with a nurse navigator and the toolkit, but it's one leading indicator of a surgery that's gone much better than status quo. It does have some economic value to it. And so that's one way that we track our benefit. We did a study last year with a validation institute. They dug into our data with one of their data scientists. And what they found was, on average, we're saving 32 days in recovery time and return to work time by supporting members of the program. 32 days, just short of 32 days. And that equates with a $7.70 to one ROI. So we've got that out there. Again, I validated through that third-party review with a validation institute. Make sure we understood this. So 32 work days, the patients are getting back to work if they are working 32 days earlier. And when you say one to seven impact or one to 77 impact? $7.70 to every $1 invested in the program of return. Got it. Got it. Okay. So that's where we started. Where we're investigating next is the medical cost savings. Everybody has an interest in that. The industry data is crystal clear that enhanced recovery protocols save healthcare costs. That is through shorter length of stay. That is through fewer complications and fewer return trips to the emergency room. That's even fewer surgical revisions, follow-on surgeries to fix the problems of the first one. Think of somebody who goes through a knee replacement, they go home, they're using the typical pain management regimen, which is heavy on opioids, and thus they're lethargic, they're laying around on the couch, you don't get up and walk, you don't do your physical therapy, you don't move your knee as much, and you end up needing a knee manipulation, which is going back under anesthesia for a forcible bending of your knee. That's not what anybody wants, right? That's a terrible outcome and expensive. So that's where we're investigating next to find our own data on healthcare cost savings. We know it's going to be there, the industry data is there, so we'll investigate that next. What we see quantitatively in our program is a less than 1% readmission rate after surgery. The industry data shows that on average, that's typically about 7% after surgery. Folks have concerns about pain management. They have other issues. They end up back in the hospital or back in the emergency room. Our readmission rate is under 1%. That has a lot to do with opioid use. These issues are very closely intertwined. And as I mentioned, our goal is to get a better pain management regimen with fewer opioids. And that is possible. I have a lot of optimism about this today as a pharmacist. It's possible given the other agents we have, non-opioid, non-addictive pain management agents we have, that this is possible to have better pain management, fewer opioids. If you come out of a major surgery today with very few opioids, you're on a much different track to recovery. You're up and moving and resuming some form of your normal activity sooner. And the secret to all of this really is that movement in and of itself is part of the healing process. Having a little bit of pain, not overwhelming pain, but a little bit of pain tells you that your body is healing, you've been through something and you're healing, but you're also able to get up and move about and test that right on a daily basis and advance your healing process. And that's how this works. That kind of level of support for the patient, taking them through that journey, I suspect is critical to this. And it's probably the secret sauce here. It is, it is. I think having the nurse navigator element of this 
is really a requirement of an enhanced recovery protocol. Um, if you're doing enhanced recovery, but you don't have as a provider, but you don't have some follow-up with that patient to understand what they're going through and how they should be advancing through the recovery and just understanding the pain management aspect of this, for example, it's very clear in the data that what might be unexpected, Advil, which is ibuprofen and acetaminophen, that's Tylenol, those are two very commonly used pain medications, right? One of them is called an NSAID, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, that's ibuprofen. And then you got regular acetaminophen. Those are in every checkout aisle in generic form in every 7-Eleven and grocery store in America. That's state-of-the-art pain management. But you got to take it. I and mean, if you take it on a scheduled basis, beginning even when you don't have pain, a lot of patients will go through a outpatient procedure today. They might get a regional pain block nerve block that gives them multiple days of pain relief. So you come out of the surgery and you feel great. You really need to get ahead of the pain right then and there, beginning with that multimodal pain management approach. That's where the nurse comes in, coaching and making sure, holding you accountable to do that. Because if you don't, you're going to get to day three or day four and that block is going to wear off and you're going to feel terrible. And that leaves you with only one option really, which is to hit the opioid. And you don't want to do that. Right? You don't want to have to do that. And so there's a little more nuance to this, a little more proactive planning and thinking to this, but that acetaminophen and the ibuprofen, when taken together, is actually three times better in managing the pain than oxycodone, that Percocet or Oxycontin, which is very commonly prescribed even today after major surgery. We can do this better and it leads to an entirely different experience for the patient. So Brent, presumably it's attacking this whole opiate addiction issue as well. Have you looked at some of that data, how much of an impact you're having there as well, particularly for patients who are going for surgery? We have. I'm glad you brought this up. So in a different aspect of what we do at Goldfinch, much of the work that we do is with self-insured employers, the Taft-Hartley funds, disability insurers, health insurers, TPAs. That's kind of one aspect of what we do. If you've been paying attention to the headlines, you might be aware that there's some pretty large lawsuits going on or have been going on related to the opioid crisis. And many of those lawsuits have settled before they've gone to trial to the tune of now approaching $60 billion in settlements. And that's to the plaintiffs of these lawsuits. The plaintiffs have been the states, counties, cities, and tribes who claim damages from opioids over the last two decades in America. And so now those entities are getting the funds to invest in opioid mitigation efforts, prevention, treatment, and recovery. We've actually been hired by the state of Iowa to deploy some of those funds towards helping rural hospitals, beginning with rural hospitals, to implement enhanced recovery after surgery protocols, bringing our nurse navigators, our technology, and the Prepare for Surgery Toolkit to help with that change process. What we're seeing with those groups and beyond is, on average, the patients that we support use fewer than six doses of an opioid after surgery. They refill at about a 1% rate. So one out of 100 patients refill their opioid, and a overall an 80% reduction in opioid use after surgery. So this is the formula for how we can really bring a first-dose prevention program to patients, families, communities, companies, and beyond. And we can see it very clearly in the data. This is fantastic. Results are pretty strong here. What are some of the challenges as you're trying to get this program in front of more employers and patients before they are getting into surgery and TPAs? 
From an operational perspective, one of the challenges is around pre-certification. I would mention that, that having that pre-certification as a notice of an individual headed towards surgery is like having a golden opportunity to make a big difference in that person's life. We've seen it work time and again. If we have a notice, there's somebody that's a week out from their procedure, whether they were approved or denied or what the criteria was in place for the pre-cert, that's almost immaterial to us as long as we have the notice right, that somebody's headed towards surgery. When we don't have that, that is a more difficult program to deliver results. And we're counting on either the member being aware of this resource and calling us. And that does happen sometimes. We have a very engaged member who's thinking about a knee replacement that they need to finally have, and now's the time to go after it. And they want to make sure they do it well. And we take those, and those are perfect cases for us to support because we're starting very early on in the process. We can even help them think through provider selection, but that's fairly rare. Another way that we do this is if we've got a good partnership with either a case manager, if you're already engaged with that, program or an HR professional who's managing leave management in one way, shape, or form, and they're aware of folks who are headed towards surgery, that can be a nice engagement point as well. But the best way to do this is around pre-certification and just getting that. So sometimes that takes a bit of a bit of a setup to get that in place. But when we understand and all the parties understand, we're not trying to change that process. We're not trying to do anything with it other than just use it as a trigger for outreach. We can usually get that in place. So I guess any TPAs who have some of their own clinical programs or at least they are collecting the, doing the pre-certification and they have ability to pass the data, that's a really good partner for you to be working with. That would be perfect. Yeah. And I did want to mention, I, fresh in the news, there is a, there's a movement afoot that some of the major carriers are talking about rolling back pre-certification requirements. And there's certainly a drumbeat from the American Medical Association and the medical providers about the administrative burden of pre-certification as it exists today. And I don't disagree that some of the steps that are out there can be overly burdensome. I do think rolling back pre-certification, however, would be a step in the wrong direction. And I think there's a real opportunity if some of the large plans out there decide to move forward with those rollbacks and gold cards around pre-certification, I think it's going to be a step back for our healthcare that we're delivering for Americans not only in terms of cost of care, but also in terms of quality. And I think it presents a real opportunity for maybe some of the folks who are listening in on this podcast around the opportunity to deliver a meaningful pre-certification program for their employers and differentiate against some of the larger health plan players out there as you're going to compete for clients. The next generation of pre-certification is bringing evidence-based care like enhanced recovery after surgery protocols to the approval process not just checking the box on some of the existing kind of status quo or legacy rules around pre-certification, but taking the next step in innovating towards what's really meaningful to care, meaningful to patients, and all the things that I've talked about in terms of lower-cost care and faster recovery and less opiate exposure. You start thinking about bringing that to the pre-cert process, that is really delivering value in a unique way, in a differentiated way. But there must be some kind of procedures or steps where Getting rid of that pre-certification is probably a good step because it's redundant in some scenarios. What you're really proposing for is like a nuanced way of having pre-certification rather than completely rolling things back. Correct. I've seen some of these examples and they play out with some of the members we're supporting as well, where they get caught in this, they and their healthcare provider get caught in this whirlwind of rules and 
check the box processes and rubber stamps or lack thereof. Uh, and nobody seems to be actually listening to the nuance of their case. And so I understand the frustrations around what's what's played out in pre-cert and prior authorization programs. I just believe that there there is an opportunity, and I'm sure there are opportunities beyond surgery as well, to bring some different approaches that are high value and wouldn't create administrative or at least meaningless administrative burden for patients and providers. I would nominate enhanced recovery after surgery protocols, and in particular. Some of the model that we have, there are perhaps over 50 different rules or protocols around enhanced recovery after surgery. Some of the secret sauce of what we do is figuring out the three or five or seven of those protocols that really make a difference. So if we can go to bat for a patient who's chosen the provider, who's not delivering any URAS, and we can get those three or five things done for them, it really makes a difference. That's the secret sauce here. And those same three or five things bringing that to a next generation pre-certification prior authorization program. I think that's, I think that's where the industry needs to go. I think that's where the industry will go. And I think there are going to be some very forward thinking plans and TPAs that take that path and care management organizations that take that path to great benefit. Let me push you brand a little bit on this secret sauce. What stops a TPA from taking that ERAS protocols that you talked about and just implementing it through their own pre-certification and clinical case management, care management team, and just provide that support to the patient? What stops a TPA from doing it? Or even a nurse navigation company? Well, I think the answer to that, there's a couple of things that we've invested very heavily in to make this a meaningful and seamless experience for for the members that we serve and also the, the clients that we serve. So one aspect of this is our nurse onboarding and nurse hiring, nurse onboarding, nurse training, nurse ongoing education. The only members of our team who are on the nurse side of things are surgery experts. We do that very specifically. And honestly, we've done that through a bit of trial and error. We have implemented the program or tried to implement the program with nurses who are experienced nurse navigators from various other aspects of care, but not necessarily from the operating room or from the recovery room. And what we found is it's just not as effective. And so we've doubled down on, we bring in nurses who are experts in surgery and recovery, who can speak very elegantly and in a patient way, patient-directed way to the considerations around preparation for surgery and recovery from surgery. That's step one, finding the right people who bring in an expertise. The step two is training them very specifically on the elements that we know are important and continuing to train them as the data changes. This is a dynamic area in hand recovery. It's not sort of established, maybe as some areas of healthcare could be. It changes frequently on an even weekly basis where we are very actively training our entire staff, including the nurses, on what's new in the area of pain management, what's new in the area of surgical pre-surgery nutrition optimization. And so that's a big aspect to this, that the Gatorade piece of it, the multimodal pain management piece of it, there's a lot of depth to those areas that when we position a nurse navigator on our team to not only educate and support the patient, but also act as an advocate and call the doctor. Right? And we want our nurses to be on equal clinical footing with a surgeon or an anesthesiologist or anybody else who they might get in contact when they're calling on behalf of a patient, which we think is truly different than what happens in other programs that are not as specific, right? We do this one thing and we aim to do it very well, which is surgery preparation, surgery recovery, 
over about a six or seven week period for a patient. And that requires a depth of knowledge and expertise that's just different uh, yeah. than what's done elsewhere. Let's take a slightly different question on this. Let's say a TPA or employer wants to put this in place with their regular nurse navigation team. They don't want that one to 7.7 impact. They just want one to three impact. What mm -hmm. steps would you recommend to them that they take? Interesting question. What I would say is having a nurse navigator available for any major surgical procedure, the kind that's going to cause you to miss work and you're planning for, that helps, right? That makes that member feel better supported, better prepared, more confident for what they're going through. Just having somebody you can talk to. I mean, the status quo experience in our healthcare system is such that you show up in a surgeon's office, you get a workup for a procedure. Most often, you're probably recommended to proceed with that procedure. And then you kind of end up on this conveyor belt where you are headed towards a procedure. You're going to have a procedure. They're going to qualify for it. And they're going to tell you the instructions that they think are best so that you show up in a way that's qualified for the surgery. That includes not eating or drinking anything. So you don't accidentally mess that up and have a have an egg McMuffin on the way into to your surgery and you have to postpone or disqualify for surgery on that day. I'm going to tell you everything you need to know. So you show up in a perfect state for me to deliver a surgery. Then I'm going to give you surgical instructions that are written at a 12th grade plus level when we know that the average American doesn't read at that level. And by the way, you're also given a medication that day called Versed to make you forget, not to mention general anesthesia. And so now you're back at home on your own, right? Trying to figure this out and struggling. Many people struggle on those first few days or week after surgery, trying to figure out how you're going to get back to your normal life and kind of navigate all of this. So all that being said, having a nurse, even if there's not the clinical aspects that we're talking about of enhanced recovery after surgery, just having somebody who's there to be a, a sounding board and an advocate for you, that is helpful. In any, any sort of high acuity, high cost area, I would recommend that. And, and we've seen in our program on occasions where we run into a patient who is going to a provider, a surgical provider who has not updated his or her protocols towards enhanced recovery after surgery and is not willing to do so uh, when we ask. That happens, not frequently, but it does occasionally happen. What we've been able to show is those patients when supported by a nurse on an outdated, in our opinion, outdated surgical pathway, they still get back to their life about three weeks faster. So there you go, That's, that would be about half of the value or so. Of, of the program and uh, that, that has value. And so if you were, if I was recommending to somebody that they were going to implement a program that had some value, but wasn't as deep as what we do, introducing a nurse navigator to surgical pathways would certainly have that impact. That's great. This is great. So make sure you have a nurse navigator supporting them before and after, send them a Gatorade bottle, and then possibly just make sure they don't take those the narcotics. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yes. Good. This is great. I really appreciate you taking the time today. This has been really insightful and mind-blowing in terms of the impact this can, kind of programs can have. Much appreciate your time. Thank you, Ramesh. And I would like to thank Ikigai Growth, our sponsor of this show. Please join us for another podcast in the series brought to you by HCA's Voices of Self-Funding. Please like and share so we can build a community of like-minded people and tell us about topics that we should bring to you next. Please watch your email for updates on upcoming guests. 
I'm your host, Ramesh Kumar of Zaki Point Health.